Yeah, I'm carrying on the series this, this morning on breaking chains, and obviously mine's called, she just mentioned, Breaking the Chain of Unbelief. Um, anybody strong in their faith this morning? Ooh, no one. Oh, dear. Do you not believe this morning that God is with you? So you've got some faith. You know, we're not good at celebrating ourselves, are we? We're not good at bigging ourselves up. Um, I think sometimes we've got this idea of false humility. We can't do that. I believe God wants to impart faith into our hearts and in our lives so that we can demonstrate his faith and his love and his hope in this world. Amen? So, but sometimes in life, we face things that discourage us. Or we face things that are a disappointment to our expectations. We thought it was going to go this way, and it went that way. Yeah? I wasn't expecting my life to turn out like this, but it has. I had faith. Have you ever come across these people? You may be one of them. I've kind of been one. I used to believe. You ever come across one of those? I used to believe in God, but I don't anymore. And I think, how sad. And that's kind of what I want to speak on this morning is about faith. The importance of faith and the importance of actually not just faith, but prayer. And why it's so important. Because you will have times in your life, and I will, where we will have disappointments. We will have things that don't go. We will have people that upset us or betray us. And at times, it can really discourage us in our faith. And we go, do you know what? I don't know if I believe anymore. I asked God, but he didn't answer my prayer. And I'm not sure if I believe anymore. So what do we do? I believe God wants to break that chain of unbelief. I, want to, I believe he wants to renew in you a deeper level of faith so that when you get your disappointments, you'll overcome them. When you get your expectations that weren't, weren't what you planned, you'll come through the other side and be amazed at how good God is. But it takes faith, and I believe it takes prayer, to understand our relationship with God, and God wants to take us deeper in and through our things so that we can come through stronger in our faith and more confident. So that's kind of what I want to speak on today, is breaking this unbelief. And to break it, actually, we need faith. So let's look at an experience that Jesus gives us with his disciples. And he encourages them to have their faith in God. Mark 11, it's a bit of a bizarre one when you read it. I didn't always understand it, but I've studied it a little bit more. And I've kind of hopefully give you a little bit more understanding. You might understand this. But it just seems a bit mean of Jesus. Anybody seen Jesus? Like, he looks mean in the scriptures. Yeah. Have you ever seen him look mean? I'm going to tell you, Jesus is mean. If Jesus did this to me, I would not be happy if he did it to my plants, okay? So he, here we go. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. So he's having one of them, maybe, maybe he's having an angry, hungry day, right? Have we all had one of them? One of them, one of them days you don't go Tesco, get your shopping when you're hungry because you come out with a load of random food that you didn't want. Right? The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. And I lead that, and I think, surely Jesus knew if he had fruit. 
In, in chapter, in the first verse of this chapter, Jesus sends the disciples to get a colt. He says, go along there, there'll be a colt tied up. You'll see it, get it and bring it back. If Jesus knew there was a colt tied up, surely he knew that there should be fruit on the tree. Surely. God knows all things. What's going on? When he reached, he found there was nothing but leaves because it was not the season for truth. Surely Jesus would have known it was not the season. Would he not? Right, I, I know. I've got tomatoes at home. I'm growing them, right? I know if Jesus came into my greenhouse, my greenhouse, Jesus, I'll let you in. If Jesus came into my greenhouse, right, I could tell Jesus, Jesus is not yet ready for fruit because it's still not full summer. I'm waiting for the fruit to come. I would know in my greenhouse the time of year, what season, Jesus grew up in this area and he knew about fig trees. Surely he knew. What's going on? Then he said to the tree, he's a tree lover. I thought he was a worshiper of God. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. I ain't letting Jesus in my greenhouse. He's not, I, I, I'm going to put a lock on my, Jesus, you can go everywhere with me. You go everywhere, but my greenhouse, you're not coming in because I'm trying to grow fruits. It's not yet the right season. But then it says this, note this, and the disciples heard him. I think there's a lesson in there for disciples. And then what happens, Jesus goes into the temple and he turns the tables over and he says to them, you have turned this into a den of robbers. It should have been a house of prayer. You've turned it, he says, into a den of robbers and he turns the tables over. He says it should have been a house of prayer. Mark records it as this, a house of prayer to the nations, he says. To the nations. Not just to the Jews, but to the nations. In other words, this temple should have been connecting God to the whole of the world. And for some reason, it's not happening properly. So then he comes out of the temple and then this happens. When evening came... They went out of the city in the morning as they went along. They saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, Luke, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Jesus says, have faith in God. I'd be like, I don't want faith in God if he's going to wither me tomato plants up. I'm sure I want to. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. What is happening here with this fig tree? Let me just encourage you with some things that I believe Mark has put this in for a reason. And he's put it in, he's made like a sandwich. Okay? He's got fig tree, temple, fig tree. And he's put it in as an illustration, like a metaphor, to help them understand what's actually happening with the temple. 
And what Jesus has done, he's gone into the temple and he's criticizing what is going on because it's not bearing any fruit. All he can see is green leaves in the name of God. This is representing God. And the religious people and the rich people are making money from it. And there's a system that's corrupt and damaged. And it's limiting people coming in. The Gentiles can't come in. They're excluded. And Jesus goes into the temple, sees it, overturns it. And says, you've turned this into a den of robbers. You are robbing God of what he wants to do for all of the nations. And then he says, it should be a house of prayer. So the fig tree is an illustration of a system of an old order that Jesus says, as finished. It no longer works in that temple because you've messed it up. So what does Jesus do? He brings in a new system. A system now that is accessible to all of you. A system that you don't need to bring a sacrifice every day for the forgiveness of your sins. Because there's one who has made a sacrifice for all of your sins once and all. And now creates access for everyone who believes in God. How good's that? That's what Jesus, why Jesus curses the fig tree. He's not a mean man. He's just putting an illustration in there to show us the significance of the temple and how it's no longer doing the job that it should have done. But the good news is, Jesus comes to give us a new way. Amen? So what do we do? Why am I telling you this? Because I think sometimes we have an old system, and God wants to give us a new system. He wants to encourage us in our access. You see, the Jews believe this. If they went to Jerusalem, and they went to the temple, it was the place where God would answer their prayers. They were guaranteed if they went there, gave their offering, they said to God, God would stick up for them and do everything he needed to do on their behalf. It was the gateway to heaven, like Genesis 28, Jacob. It was the access to God and they were guaranteed that God would answer them. But Jesus is saying, no longer I'm going to create a new access that is open for all people. So I want to look a little bit at faith and prayer this morning to help us understand what Jesus, I believe, is trying to teach us. The first thing I think we need to understand, Jesus says this, have faith in God. Have faith in God. If you translate it, I'm going to be a little bit play on words here. If you translate the word there, it says, actually says this, have the faith of God. Now, just think about that for a minute. Have the faith of God. So what is God's faith like towards you this morning? Does God love you this morning? Now, you may have a negative experience and go, oh, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm disappointed because of this situation and, and now I feel like I don't have the faith to carry on. No, have faith in God. Don't have faith in your experiences or the wrong that's happened towards you or even your wrong. Have faith in God and actually have the faith that God has in you because God believes in you this morning. See, the word have in the Greek is echo. Echo. We put some soundboards up. Do you like them? You probably, some of you are thinking, what are them up there? What is going on in this room? It's because there's problems with the sound in the room that it rebounds in the room and creates a noise that they don't want. Some of you probably don't even notice it like me. 
where apparently technical people, they really notice it every week, right? So there's an echo that's going on in the room and it's bouncing around and making, these soundboards reduce the echo so the sound is better. So the word here is echo. What does that mean? It means to have. So the sound that God is making towards you, it is your job to hear it and to possess it. Have you got that? So it's not actually my sound or my faith. It's his word over my life. And it's my job to hear it and to possess what God says about me. Are you hearing Are you, are you hearing the echo? Have you got it? It says of Peter when he walked with Jesus. Sorry, it says of the disciples. The disciples heard him. So Jesus said something. And the disciples heard it. They heard what Jesus said and it happened. You see, what we need to do, I believe, is this. There's sometimes a gap between what we hear and what we believe. Any, any, any London people here? Come on. I know there's somebody speaking to me this morning. They're going to London. You know when you go in that tube station, it used to terrify me as a kid. When I, My brother lived in London. He was at uni, King's College, for three years. And I went down when I was 14 on my own on the train. Mum put me on. Brother says he'll look after me. I got there, and he went like, ah, there's a ticket, kid. Go do what you want. I've got study do. I was in London on my own. I remember listening for the first time. You'll know it. Mind the gap. I was like, what gap? I didn't even know there was a gap until someone said there was a gap. Now I'm terrified everywhere I go of falling down this gap that really wasn't that big, but you've made it into a big thing because one or two people have, I don't know, drunk and fallen down it. I don't know. There's a gap. And sometimes there's a gap between what we hear and what we believe. And you've got to mind the gap. Watch the gap because there's other echoes in the world that want to say other things to you. And there's other sounds in the world that want to say something and bounce around in your head and tell you that you're not loved, tell you that you're not accepted, tell you that you're all alone and no one loves you. But there's another sound that's now accessible, not just in the old temple, but in the new way now through faith in Jesus. And the Spirit of God wants to birth this sound in you so that you can possess the sound or the faith of God so that you can believe for things in this world. That's what Jesus is trying to teach him. If you believe it, if you ask, it's prayer, and you believe it, you will see it. If you believe what God said to you, what has God said to you? God has said this, I love you. I love you. I love you died for you and demonstrated my love for you is that echo going within and when things happen that don't appear the way I want them am I still going to listen to the echo of heaven or am I going to listen to the echo of that experience echo what sound what am I listening to have the faith of God you say is it God's faith or my faith well Paul says this it is the grace given me in Romans and then he says, don't consider yourself too, too big-headed. He says, but use the measure of faith that God has given you. So your ability to even believe is a grace of God. It, it, it's given by God that you can actually believe. You choose that to believe in God with the measure of faith that he's given you. So my next point is this. You're completely sustained by grace. 
It's a gift. It's not what I do, it's what he's done. It's not about my faith, it's about his faithfulness towards me. And if I will allow that sound to echo in my heart, it will renew my spirit and revive me that God is faithful and will always be faithful towards me. He was faithful in the beginning, he was faithful on the cross, and he'll be faithful at the end. And that is where we put our faith is in God. So you are sustained by grace. That means it is the gift of God. It's not what I do, it's what he has done first and foremost. Now, we respond to that, and that's what Jesus is trying to teach us. He says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Why is he teaching them that? Because when they went to the temple, if they did something wrong towards somebody, to deal with that, they had to go to the temple and ask for forgiveness. And they would take a sacrifice. There would be a sacrifice in the morning, a whole burnt offering. There would be a sacrifice in the evening, a whole burnt offering, for Israel to renew their covenant because of the things they may do. But individually, if you did something wrong towards someone, to put that right, you would take a sacrifice to the temple and offer that. If you didn't have much money, it would be a dove. If you had more money, it would be a bigger animal, which again, isn't quite right in a way because they couldn't afford a bigger animal. And there was all stuff going on that was all mixed up. But the point is this. God is saying this. What will demonstrate that grace in your life is forgiveness. In other words, it is characterized by your forgiveness towards other people. And what is happening here with Israel is this. Israel, unfortunately... We're not bearing fruit because they weren't forgiving the other nations like God forgave them. In other words, they were putting fig leaves on. Don't know why I'm doing that. They were putting fig leaves on, but bearing no fruit. And what Jesus is saying is this. If you come to me and pray, just make sure in your heart that you've got the same love towards people as I have got towards you. And if anything gets in, it's going to cause unbelief in your life. It's going to cause you not to believe in people. And you'll select who you want to believe in because of what people do towards you no God says forgive them like I have forgiven you it's characterized by forgiveness the kingdom of God the new season is characterized by forgiveness not resentment not hurt not bitterness but forgiveness and it comes when we put our faith in Jesus what he did on the cross and he outworks that through our lives into the lives of others so, am I making sense? Is this making sense? Right. So prayer and faith is really important, I believe, to battle against and defeat unbelief. So, I've touched on this, but how do we pray then? Here's how we pray. We pray with ears to listen. Now, I'm happy to talk to God, but I really believe God wants us to listen to him. Would you agree? Um. I remember I'll share a testimony. When I took on this church, um, I was working part-time in a school and I'd taken on the church and there wasn't much money. So I was working part-time in, in a school and I was working part-time here. Um, and the one thing we wanted to do with the kids' room upstairs, but we didn't have much money. So we looked at how much money. I think we had £1,000 to do the kids' room upstairs. And we needed paint and we needed some toys and there wasn't much. And I remember with the team, the team were a bit disappointed because... You know, they put a lot of belief and faith in the former pastor and he'd left for whatever reason. I want to get into that. But he left. And they were a bit disillusioned, a bit disappointed, a bit discouraged. Okay? So then you get me take it on. 
And I, I decided, let's do the kids' room, let's do a few things. And I remember I was there, I was a bit disillusioned myself, and I went for a drive in the car. I'm not sitting at my desk doing my work, I should do, I apologise. I went for a drive in the car. And as I'm driving, this phrase comes to me, Paul, do something radical. I'm like, whoa, am I hearing right, Jesus? Is this one of your bad days, fig tree moments? Am I hearing right, Jesus? Is this your teaching? Do something radical. See, when we're listening, we need to listen that it lines up with the teachings of God. We don't need to listen to anything God's saying. Is God, is God saying this to me? Is it voice? Now, I've learned over the years to kind of know the voice of God, and I'm still learning. But I believed it was the voice of God I heard Paul do something radical. And I'm like, Wow. Let's get some mud, spit in it, and throw it in people's eyes, Jesus. That's what you did. That was pretty radical. I'm like, no, maybe that's not the right thing to do today. So we ca- I come back down the office, and I went upstairs, and the staff, there was about four to five staff, and they were, they were cleaning the room out. And I looked at the carpet, and I was like, no, the carpet's disgraceful. I can't even put my, I wouldn't even use this for my dog at home. Actually, the dog gets better than me at home. But... The point is this, I, I was like, I can't put the kids on that. We're sitting downstairs on a nice carpet. They're not having a terrible carpet upstairs. That's not right. I said to Julie, she was on staff, still on staff. I said, Julie, it's not right. Put the kids on this. She said, do something radical, Paul. Oh, there's the word. There's the word, the same word I've just heard 10 minutes ago in the car. Okay, God, if, and this is what I go. Okay, God, I am listening. I am listening to you and I'm going to trust you because we haven't got the money. If I rip this up, you better provide because I haven't got the money. But I'm doing this out of obedience to you. What God is doing is imparting faith, his faith, into my heart and into the team. You got it? I'm listening. He's imparting faith to fulfill his plans and his purposes, not just give me a good day, right? But we're going to have a good day. So I said, okay, quick, what do we do? She says, get a Stanley knife. So we get a Stanley knife and we're ripping it up and I'm going, oh my word, have I done the right thing? We haven't got money, what the trustees have only just taken charge. Is it the right thing to do? And my head's going all over the place. We rip the carpet up, there was dust everywhere. We throw it out and I went, got no carpet for the kids. How stupid is that? At least we had some carpets. Now we've got none. The next day, Somebody from the church walks through the front door. And he looked upstairs and he says, what's happening? He said, well, we're doing the kids' room, but we're doing this. He said, what's happening with the carpet? I said, I don't know, we haven't got it. He said, go price it up, I'll pay for it all. The next day, not like I'm waiting a week, sweating or trying to, you know, be a salesman and knock on every door in the city to ask someone to give me a carpet. No, the next day, God brings someone in. Now, two things on this. Number one, I'm willing to listen to God and obey him. But there's another one who's been working hard diligently and saving the money and been willing to listen to God, to be generous so that he can impart faith into that team. And this is what happened to the team. I went, they went, oh, the same God who was with Moses is with us, Joshua. The same God who was with the former pastor is with us today. The same God who opened the, where there was no way, made a way, made a way today. It's the same God yesterday and forever. You see what I'm saying? And we were in unbelief. We were discouraged. We were disappointed. But the same God, the same God is just willing for someone to have an ear to hear so he can impart his faith into you so that you can believe that the God who provides will provide for you. 
And I've got to say this, I literally did nothing apart from get a Stanley knife and rip the carpet up. All I did is hear the voice of God and go back and go, do you know what? Okay, let's, make, let's step out and do it. And I tell you what, that team changed. That team moved on because God was imparting faith. But you need an ear to listen to what the Spirit is saying to you. And it always lines up with the truth of God in his word. Jesus says, forgive people. He says, forgive people. There's no other teaching. It's Jesus' teaching. Line up with it and you'll see God manifest in your life. Another illustration of this is this. Sometimes when we go to God, we pray to God, God, move this mountain. Now, Jesus never said he'll move all your mountains. He said, move the mountain. Not everybody's mountain in the world. <laughs> he didn't say that. He said, move the mountain. It was probably the temple mounts which would get destroyed and every stone would get unturned like he prophesied. He said, if you believe it, it'll happen. My point is this. We're not getting God to move all our mountains. Okay? The point is this. God wants to give you faith so that you can overcome that mountain. You can overcome that obstacle. We sometimes do it like this. Imagine you go on holiday, you go by the beach, and you decide you want to go out on your boat. You know, you're going a bit more confident, your faith is growing. You get on a boat, but you tie the boat to a rock, and you go out, and the, and the rope's tied to the boat, and you know, you, you, you're over here, you're on the seat, it's getting a bit bumpy, but you've always got this rope that keeps you connected. That's like prayer. You can always talk to God. It is forever open, accessible, because what God has done in Jesus, you are connected. But this is what we do, right? We're over here in our boat, and we're going, God, come on, do this for us. God, come over here and do this. Can you do this for me? And God's like, I'm the, I'm the rock. I, I, I don't move. I, 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 you're, you, you're the one who's got it the wrong way around, Paul. You can't pull the whole of the world to you. But what you can do is pull towards me. And as you hold on in prayer and come to me, what you'll discover is I'm the God who doesn't change. I'm trying to move you from your unbelief into belief. You're not trying to move me into your situation. I'm trying to move you on in faith. How you got it? So we grab on in prayer and say, hey, Jesus, I'm coming to you. Can you impart faith into me? Hey, Jesus, I'm seeking you. Hey, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? And this is what will happen. God will give you his will, and then you'll see it outworked in your life. What, not, what we're not trying to do is this. God, can you give me my will? And, and what we do is this. We grab on, and we're pulling, and we're going to heaven, and we're calling, and we're crying, and we're wondering why it's not happening, and it's not going on because he's going, you got it the wrong way around. You got it the wrong way around. I'm moving you. I'm giving you life. I already have life, but I want to impart it in you so that you can grow in your faith and move on from what you used to be stuck in your unbelief. Making sense. You can pull on that rope all day long. He ain't moving because he doesn't change. You can't change him. He wants to change you. He's changing you and imparting faith in you. So, pray. I forgot where I was. Come back, Paul. Pray with ears to listen. The next one is this. Pray confidently. Pray confidently. Now Hebrews says this, that you can come confidently to the throne of grace. Now, the reason we can come confidently is not because what we do, but because what he's done. 
We don't get access into that place of intimacy with God because what I do. We get intimacy with God because what he's done. The blood of Jesus makes the way. It's his sacrifice that paid the way and gives us access. So we can come confidently as we ask. I want to say this to you this morning. I ask you this question. How is your relationship with God? How are you and God this morning? <laughs> it's gone quiet. Does this go on in your head? Oh, I'm not reading enough. I'm not reading my Bible enough. I'm not praying enough. I'm, I'm not doing as good as he's doing because I'm not even God. So I'm obviously not good enough. Does anybody else do that? Or you watch these DVDs and you watch these people online for amazing preachers and you go, oh, I'm not, I'm not making it. I'm not, not cutting it. Anybody else do that? Well, I want to tell you some truth this morning, right? You and God are good. You and God are good this morning, okay? You and God are good this morning. Are you believing it? We're dealing with unbelief. You and God are good this morning. Come on, you need to say, me and God are good this morning. Me and God are good. So what's telling you that you're not good? What's telling you you're not good? Who's telling you? Who's echoing? Because my Bible tells me that the blood of Jesus is enough to give me access to a God who gave me access and made me good in his image because his son covers me with his blood. So me and God are good. So you need to get yourself out of unbelief, get yourself out of wrong thinking and say me and God are good. Me and God are good this morning. Come on. Me and God are good. I felt like I just wanted to say that all morning. Me and God are good. Hey. Oh yeah, but I've done this and I've done that in the past. Well, go to him. Say sorry. Say sorry to someone else so you've got peace with God and peace with them. And move on and say, me and God are good. Me and God are good. Me and God are really good, actually. We're not just good. We're really good. Because if you don't believe that, you're going to struggle confidently in prayer. You're going to struggle. Are we still okay? Are we okay for a bit longer? I'll go over a bit. Is that okay? Are you and God good? So don't listen to any other echo. Don't listen to your negative experience. Don't look at your, don't look at your situation you think God didn't answer. Say, no, me and God are good. And I know sometimes that's not easy because sometimes it's painful because we've lost loved ones and it hurts and we wonder where God is. But I want to tell you this morning, you and God are good. And you need, to do, you need to go to God in faith and say, I know this has happened, I don't understand it. But God, I know you're good and I know me and you are good. And I'm going to come to you for my healing. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to run away and put fig leaves on and pretend I'm all okay. No, God says I want fruit. So come back to me, the new temple that's made accessible through the blood of Jesus and receive healing and go deeper. Deal with that root that needs to be cut off. Root needs to be cut off so that you can embed yourself into him and who he is and produce fruit, everlasting fruit. So pray confidently. Quick one, pray expectantly then. If you're going to talk to God... And ask God for his will in your life. You better expect that he's going to answer. So you need to be aware, like I was. I heard from God, do something radical. I was expectant that something's going to happen. 
do something radical, Paul. Oh, ears went up. Okay, do it. I am expectant. God has imparted faith. If you go to God sincerely, he will impart faith and you will have an expectancy to see God work in your life. So pray expectantly. Also look beyond your own little world. There's a bigger world out there. Jesus was trying to teach the disciples. You think this temple's important? Wait until you see the new one. This is just limited to Jerusalem, Peter. Wait until it goes everywhere, in every home, where two or more are gathered, my presence will be there. Think bigger, Peter, than the old. Expand your thinking and be expectant what God can do out of your situation. And the last point is this. Pray with a spirit. I've touched on this. Pray with a spirit of forgiveness. The church needs to be full of a spirit of forgiveness. Not... not taking offence and leaving every time somebody upsets us but going deeper and create a culture a family where there's a father and a mother who accepts us unconditionally despite of what we do it's a safe place for you to be and to feel at home with we create a spirit of forgiveness and cultivate that where we have peace with one another and peace with God and peace with one another I'm going to finish with this couple of things you know Peter messed up Peter said to Jesus I'll never deny you and then he messes up tries to do it in his own strength pride whatever you want to call it but Jesus didn't give up on him Jesus didn't give up on him and then you find Jesus coming to him but on a beach and you find Peter in the boat fishing and he sees Jesus on the beach And he says, I'm coming to you, Jesus. And he comes to Jesus, who's cooking some food, breakfast time with Jesus. And he sits with him and he has food. And then Jesus has a conversation with him. And he asks him, do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. And the last time he says, do you love me? And he uses the word here, phileos, which means friend. Friend. He says, Peter, are we friends? He says, you know, you know everything. You know when the fig tree would be shriveled. You knew what was going to happen. You knew I would mess up, but you never stopped believing and having faith in me. And he comes to him and he sits with him and he calls him friend. I want to say this to you this morning. This morning, Jesus is your friend. He's your friend. You can trust him. And sometimes we struggle with that because we have friends and some friends let us down or some friends disappoint us. Some friends come with an agenda. But this friend doesn't come with an agenda. He just accepts you in spite of your sin. And he loves you and you can trust him. And when we come to that place of trusting Jesus as a friend... When Jesus says things to us, we can trust what he says to us and we can do them. Because we know he has um, the goodness of what we want to do in our lives in his heart. You know, I've had some friends over the years and I've got one friend who's still my friend. And, um, but the, the funny thing is about this friendship, it didn't start on a good day. It started on a day when I went to school, I had a brand new coat, a night coat, not just the, the Nike 
could Google with no liner. This had a furry liner. It was the expensive one. And I'd wanted this. And we didn't have much money in our house. So I'd waited for this. Everyone was having them first at school. I'd waited for mine and I'd got it. I'd finally got it. Gone school in it. And you weren't allowed to take it around the school. You had to put it in the cloakroom. I put it in the cloakroom. Came after school. Gone. I was absolutely gutted. My coat. So I went to the deputy head teacher was there. Knocked on the door and said, I've had my coat stolen. You know what he said? Go pick one of them other ones up and go home with one of them. I was like, have you seen what's left on the floor? Have you seen them Parker coats? They're blinking dangerous. He says, go and pick another one up. And as I stood outside his office, another lad walked up. He'd had his coat nicked too. Night coat, both had him nicked. And we stood there, what are you doing here? I've had my coat nicked. Me too. And he said, get a coat and go home. We're like, oh, I'm going there. So we walked home together. What are we going to tell me, mum? What are we going to say? And we walked a different way home so we could walk together. And do you know what? That day, we bonded together. And we've been best friends ever since. Now, why do I tell you that? Well, on the day the thief was working, <laughs> on the day the thief was working, there was a God who I didn't even know was using it for good. He was using it for good. The thief, the robber, take from me. God's still working in my life when I didn't even know. And he's giving me a friend out of my worst situation that would go with me and be faithful to me, who I could trust, who had no agenda apart from accept me and love me, and I would trust him with all my life. I wouldn't trust him with me some things, but I trust him with all my life, Right? And this is him. Have you got a picture? He's here. <laughs> I got a friend in you. You know, he even dresses like one, doesn't he? <laughs> this is when we had a show a few years back. This is him. This is my friend. Me and him are good. Me and God are good. You and God are good. And God's your friend. And when anybody tells you that you and God aren't good, and when anyone tells you that God's your enemy, then he's telling you to do things that aren't good, I'm telling you this, God only tells you to do things that are good. If God tells you don't have sex outside of marriage, he tells you because he's good. And the problem is, we have a wrong image of God. We have this image sometimes where we think this, oh, I'm missing out. I'm going to miss out on all of the blessings. Because this God keeps telling me not to do things. No, he's telling you to do good things. He's telling you to do good things because he's good. And if God says in the word to forgive people, forgive people because he's good and it will be good for you. So if his word says it, don't have a gap between it. Hear it, hear the sound and apply it and you'll be blessed as you do it. Now, if you've made mistakes, there's a line you can draw and say, God, forgive me from this day forward. I'm going to listen to your sound and I'm going to obey. And I'm not going to pull you towards me. I'm going to keep pulling towards you and trusting your goodness. And I'm going to forgive people because you forgive me. Why? Because you're my friend and I can trust you. Is he your friend this morning? Come on, ask the band come up. You know, I'm going to give you some homework. Is that okay? Can I give you homework? I'm going to give you one lesson. This is the one lesson for you. 
And it's really simple, but this is what I felt God put on my heart yesterday morning to tell you. And it's two words. Learn, love. That was it. Learn, love. And if you learn love, your life will begin to change. If you learn that he loves you, and you learn to love others like he's loved you, your life will begin to change. You'll begin to see God work in and through you like never before.